good evening everyone uh, today we are back with uh, another session of globalize uh, for the bharat uh, bharat pacific podcast uh, series um, today's topics that we will be discussing are south korea's new indo pacific strategy and uh, the second part will focus on the overall review of the 2022 um, for the indo pacific region like how was 2022 for indo pacific region uh so let's first start with south korean uh, indo pacific strategy uh, we are joined by abhivardhan and abhishek uh, while you all know abhivardhan uh, so i will just introduce abhishek he he also uh, abhishek is scholarship is mostly focused on south korea he is uh, uh, doing his phd on uh, korean f- f- studies so i think his insights will be really helpful especially with regards to south korean indo pacific strategy uh, so let's begin um, uh, few few days ago south korean government uh, the new administration under yoon yuk sol uh, has uh, um, released indo pacific strategy uh, my first impression after going through the whole strategy was this strategy lacks focus basically like on one particular issue after going through it it feels less like a indo pacific strategy document more like a okay overall summary of south korea's foreign policy document like because the things they talk are even beyond indo pacific realms like cooperation with nato and all etc like and uh, i do however think uh, the economic component basically the trade issues or like the economic other economic components is well focused but on other issues it is not that well focused do you concur abhishek uh yes i totally concur with you uh, i think uh, i think after the second reading of the strategy um, it it hit me like like what are they trying to uh, say from this strategy Uh, as you said it mainly looks like a kind of a summarization of the foreign policy but uh, when you um, but this was not kind of uh, shocking because if you because as a student of korean studies i have followed south korean foreign policy and the stance um, it was very uh, i think uh, i knew that this was the stance of the current south korean government which they would take Uh, while coming up with the indo-pacific strategy and uh, all and all the statements uh, they have made made since may when during the uh, meeting with uh, uh, president biden of the current uh, president uh, yoon suk yeol he mentioned first time that they would be coming up with the indo-pacific strategy at the end of the year uh, and subsequently they have mentioned for example um, uh, regarding uh, regarding bringing peace to the region uh not favoring any party uh, ensuring that uh, no co- no country uh, should feel alienated from indo pacific strategy uh, but at but at the same time they also have talked about that uh, any action by certain countries should not be uh, taken uh, into uh, in, into context where it it is uh, where the security dominates uh, dominates the uh, economic concerns so uh, this was very much uh, expected uh, uh, and it was not shocking at all but um, but for me as a like uh, some when you read it in details um, if if um, i think most most scholars have not read it uh, uh, like that as 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 we say the devil lies the detail if you read it in detail 
there's many instances where the strategy mentions uh, um, uh, like uh, with respect with respect to that that they will oppose uh, um, any change of status quo with use of force and uh, they were they support uh, for example their three uh, the pillars on which the strategy is based upon which is about um, uh, supporting the that is about uh, the principle of cooperation that is trust reciprocity and inclusiveness and also uh, the other three uh, pillars at the starting of the which we talks about uh, the vision of a free peaceful and prosperous indo pacific uh, if you read it very carefully they they do mention that uh, uh, they would uh, they will work with countries like minded countries or partners in the region to ensure that the region would not be uh, more unstable but at the same time they do mention that um, uh, they would oppose uh, any kind of uh, unilateral status quo change they would um, uh, uh, for example in the uh, vision vision page they clearly mentioned that they uh, they oppose any unilateral change of status quo by force and pursue a harmonious regional order where nation rights are respected but if you kind of uh, use this framework and put it on for example in the current global the geopolitical changes they don't mention at all the china's china's action at all they 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 have mentioned the russian action in ukraine which is not a part of indo pacific but they haven't mentioned uh, china's action so in that context um, i think they, as i said earlier also there is acknowledgement in the strategy that uh, regarding the challenges which is faced by the region like however by after reading it seems that the challenges are structural for them that is uh, because of the nature of the emerging regional order uh, as a result of great power rivalry between us and china and it doesn't seem that uh, it is not because of any uh, one state actions or like they see this as a kind of evolving changing scenario in the indo pacific region um, and they are not attributing this change to any particular country like china or usa uh, but but uh, but uh, but i know i or like many scholars would know that uh, they understand that if they would try to uh, kind of uh, elaborate on the details of the strategy uh, the strategy um, uh, it would be very difficult for a country like south korea to balance it uh, so that would be my first take on this uh, i thought of uh, discussing about challenges in china later but as you have already brought in the points avyardhan uh, let's continue with it so as abhishek has said the document is focused less on specific challenges basically like he has said it's very general structural problems they have mentioned uh, with, with regards to china they have never mentioned china as a threat but I, again indirectly they do point out maritime issues in south china sea or like uh, they point out unclos respecting unclos maritime domain etc etc but for me still like i mean even on north korea the language seemed very toned down like rhetoric seems to be very very mellowed down so i, I was kind of surprised given that this uh, government the new government uh, 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 i beg your pardon i have mispronounced his name earlier so i would like to correct that yun uh, sukyol yeah yun sukyol i always try to remember his name for some reason i mess it up but sorry for that Now, so abhyodhan uh, do you agree like uh, this government was expected to be more hawkish but uh, its language seems to be more toned down like uh, while it is already expected that they won't say anything on china with respect to challenges but uh, even on north korea it seemed like very toned down language 
Okay, so first of all, I would like to add something to what Abhishek mentioned. So there is a term that this strategy mentions that is contributive diplomacy, and then I'll right away get into North Korea. So contributive diplomacy is a good term, and uh, I will be very honest. We had discussed the Indo-Pacific strategy of Canada, and if I had to compare the Canadian strategy, I will very honestly say that the ROK strategy is way better. So the Koreans have actually done it way better, because um, I don't think that the South Koreans did have any other role. So they had to, in an existential manner, frame an Indo-Pacific strategy, which for this decade and further upcoming could be considered like a productive strategy because we have to understand that uh, South Korea is a very close, I would say, ally of the US. And obviously the military and, you know, the, um, the, the defense relationship with the United States and the ROK is very much known globally to all. I mean, the relationship is very special. It's very intrinsic you know, politically and many other aspects. Second thing which I find in the strategy is that, you know, governments like those in Canada and others who don't know how to write an Indo-Pacific strategy can at least understand, and even Europe can learn a little bit, that um, you can draft a strategy which can be generic. It doesn't have to be bombastic or hawkish. And it's uh, perfectly fine because if you see many Indo-Pacific strategies, they are not bombastic or very outrageous because I'll tell you very honestly, the uh, measures taken by organizations and governments across the world is that, including the US in the Pentagon, is that uh, they want to replace the Asia-Pacific construct slowly and steadily with the Indo-Pacific construct. So obviously, they will not put a lot of things in noise. Like, I'll give you a simple example. Just a few days ago, uh, in Pentagon, um, one very interesting representative um, uh, with uh, one of the Pentagon's officers in a tweet on Twitter they had actually talked about a concept called integrated deterrence. And uh, uh, somebody commented that if you think that everything is deterrence, everything is about national security and national uh, consideration, then nothing is, right? So integrated deterrence is something. So what happens is that you create these terms, you go for these things, but it doesn't mean that it's counterproductive. So let me quickly get back to contributive diplomacy and then North Korea. I think the contributive diplomacy part is very interesting to read, which is point number eight. And uh, it's very productive because I'll tell just you... To add, ju just to add, uh, the two key terms that it uses is one is contributive diplomacy that you say, other is it positions itself as global pivot state, basically. So these two are like, uh, in terms of IR lexicon, uh, I found it interesting. Yeah. yeah, so what happens is that when you use a term called contributive diplomacy, it means that you're trying to contribute into the realm of soft power. And now what happens is that, see... Even India has tried to talk about the Ukraine war indirectly, okay? They have not said the Russians have done this XYZ, but we know what Prime Minister Modi has said, and we know how Dr. Jashankar minces his words, right? So what happens is that the Russian you, invasion, operation, whatever, in Ukraine, the, the war, the conflict, um, it has been terrible. And what happens is that it is a global event, right? Like Brexit, it's a global event. It has a global impact. So what happens among Indo-Pacific partners is that when you have a soft power centric approach, which is what they're trying to do in Indo-Pacific, I mean, most of the things in Indo-Pacific, if we remove the defense and army and navy part, even in this strategy, their focus is actually a lot on the soft power aspects, which is great. I mean, I think because weaponization of soft power is something which we saw during the Russia-Ukraine war from, from all the sides, whether the Chinese, whether the Europeans, whether the Americans. And I think that's where South Korea is trying to creep its, keep its balancing position. Now, let me quickly get to North Korea because I think then Abhishek would like to add something else and, you know, we can move ahead with this discussion quickly. Um, I think um, the approach in North Korea has uh, 
kind of not softened i think they have tried to make things more specific than bloated like for example they still mention that the denuclearization of D, you know dprk is critical for maintaining sustainable peace i mean that's not changing there are basic things which are not changing i think one thing which they are i think they're kind of taking the playbook out of what the trump administration was trying to do with king jamun and you know obviously the situation and we know about the you know missiles fired by the north korean government obviously which went through the japanese territory you know so we know all about that but i think um, it seems that they are talking about dialogue they're talking about engaging on issues related to counter terrorism which seems to be specific rather than being bloated up so i think it's it's what south korea does i think it's something which is still cooking i think abhishek can you know make it more formalized in his interpretation but i think it's still cooking up but i think it's a stable way to go ahead as i would say honestly so yeah i'll just stop here for a while abhishek you want to elaborate on north korea point uh yes definitely but uh, before that i would like to just add some points to uh, what abhivadan said i think um i agree with uh, his first assertion that uh, this is a, a kind of a test case to learn how to write a strategy but uh, uh, b- but the problem with the strategy comes when you try to over exaggerate your capacities uh, for example south korea consider itself as a middle power but uh, uh going forward and this is my this is my what i think is uh, the room or the space for middle powers will only shrink and to think that south korea will be able to influence these developments in the region is uh, highly exaggerating for example uh, they says that they kick uh, they they think for the strategy mentions china as a key partner and um, uh, and say that we need to uh, kind of ensure that the security concerns doesn't do- dominate the uh, economic concerns but uh, but and and this is the problem with the strategy that it uh, it try to isolate both of them differently the security and the economics and in the current world where uh, for example security uh, geopolitics and geoeconomics uh, uh, and and both at the convergence of both geopolitics and geoeconomics there is emerging technology there is geotechnology and when it comes to that position south korea will has to will have to take a, a concrete position and uh, it's no surprise that south korea will uh, side with us going forward and we have seen an, uh, so many example like the, like they have clearly uh, uh, clearly worked with us in um, there a lot of cons- consultation on chips act they also uh, now working with uh, with us closely on space security uh, in supply chain issues um, also they are working with china on that front also but the problem and that is a problem which i think the strategy fails to understand that that the space for uh, countries like australia um, uh, middle powers like australia south korea canada and for uh, and also for that matter to a certain extent to india uh, the space for these countries to navigate would become more problematic uh, and particularly for countries uh, who are allies of us and and we can clearly see that if they have to take a position going forward and it is not something like uh, that they they will, they will say that okay on security issues we are with you and on economic issues we are not with you because going forward the digital uh, the the economic growth will be clearly linked to your digital economy uh, 
as as we say that the new evolving term is techno democracies where you have the capacities to formulate policies which influences not only your security but also your economic domain uh, but uh, on a, on the second front i think uh, uh, i think the on the china issue uh, i think it it is a kind of careful uh, formulation because it understands that um, because this strategy co- comes in 2022 at the la- la- last of 2022 and uh, they understand that uh, right now they don't have that kind of uh, kind of leverage or um, or kind of space to of china so i think going forward they are thinking tactically in the sense of middle in middle term that uh, going forward they will try to shift their dependence on china uh, somehow they are they are already trying to do it uh, for example in chip sector today only i saw an article which uh, tells that there are so many korean companies which are shifted from china to korea back Uh, so they are doing it but uh, but their strategy would be not to uh, not to put not to work in a binary or a kind of polarized atmosphere where they where they have to pick a side uh, in the in the tactical or middle term but yes in strategic perspective they would definitely they're definitely moving towards us uh, and the policies which us uh, is trying to do uh, and the second point on north korea is i think uh, this is the first strategy uh, indopacific strategy which which have a clear part on north korea about for example on non proliferation counter terrorism effort in that part so they have tried to mainstream this north korea issues uh, in indopacific which is a welcome initiative i think uh, most countries um, uh, look uh, kind of ignores the north korea and the non proliferation issue which is a which, which is very important issue in the broader indopacific uh, area uh, region but um, uh, and but i i i don't think that uh, uh, i don't agree with uh, aditya your perspective that it is toned down uh, i think they have realized uh, that most of the issues which need to be resolved um, on the korean peninsula that is the denuclearization korean peninsula are not are not interrelated with for example uh, countries taking positions uh, for in in the pacific for example i think um, um, in court statement you if you follow court statement um, i think in the last three statements they have clearly mentioned about korean peninsula and denuclearization of korean peninsula so they also have acknowledged because that is also something which japan is very sensitive about uh, so this is not something which 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 may be very new uh, uh, from the indo-pacific strategy of south korea but definitely uh, this is a kind of way to to kind of popularize or mainstream this issue uh, to indo-pacific strategy like bringing a new perspective uh but but yes if you follow the policy domestically uh, especially currently the the environment in south korea is very polarized and 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 some analysts are also saying that they may they may be a kind of a uh, uh, kind of a kind of a, how should i say like uh, there may be a, an event or a conflict between south and north korea this year uh, after there are possibilities that south korea uh, north korea is going to test its uh, next nuclear weapons and south korea is saying that it would try it would break uh, from the 2018 uh, military t- treaty with north korea uh, uh, where, under the moon jae in government which they signed so uh, i think they have they, they understand that this korean north korea inter korean relation issues are uh, like cannot be resolved by indo pacific perspective but just they are trying to just mainstream it and they understand that these issues are mainly uh, for example regional issues uh, in which us china and Japan and uh, South Korea are, are the main are main stakeholders. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you are absolutely right that uh, ROK is definitely not a middle power. I mean, they're not a middle power. They're trying to be, but they can't be. I mean, often it happens that... I mean, when... it, it, yeah. it, it is kind of, right? If, if you look at... Um, uh, if, if you define... Uh, uh like national power from multiple perspectives like soft power hard power economic power oh, and so all i uh, would have agreed with you but then again uh, should we then say israel is also middle power in comparison because even israel is you know when it comes to defense and certain things a lot of time supported but, by the us but israel's economic heft is not as big as korea right yes that's true but i mean again it depends i mean uh, we can say that they're trying to become a middle power if they wish to but again <laughs> i mean see uh, i think i think uh, it would it would change depending upon context because the definition yeah. of middle power have changed uh, historically after world war 2 uh, yes. i think canada and australia was considered as the like the leading middle powers because they were trying to set up the international agenda on various mm-hmm. issues like non non proliferation yes. then korea yeah. joined in uh, and it was a middle power it had yeah. for example it it has a um, uh kind of a multilateral treaty not treaty but a kind of formulation with turkey um uh, australia south korea uh, i don't remember the name of that group uh, but yes I, i would say that it it is a middle power but uh, but the but main thing is that in the current context these not in current but uh, going forward the space for middle power to influence policies and geopolitical decision would be very minimal so and and, and south korea and the policy kind of doesn't uh, uh, put this in perspective that they it exaggerated the south korea uh, capacities uh, in that space I, and and i'm not saying that south korea is not a, uh, a very kind of um, main stakeholder in some regions like for example in uh, uh, digital technologies for example 5g 6g it is a one of uh, i think one of the top two or three or four main countries which can influence policies but that those policies which not will not result in into any geopolitical uh, changes or geoeconomic changes that is the point which i'm trying to make so uh, uh, if we move forward like uh, how do you see the india chapter i, I thought it was actually i was disappointed uh, it did men- though mention about like uh, one of the key geoeconomic areas where india is currently focus on that is uh, revising the trade agreement existing trade agreement with uh, uh, korea but uh, apart from that there was not actually there was nothing i mean in, yes indo pacific rim association like uh, from the larger perspective of korea wanting to be very active in maritime domain so indo pacific rim association it talked about it but there was literally nothing i expected more and in fact uh, i was also surprised by the fact that um, uh there was no mention of uh, mujahideen administration's new southern policy i thought there would be continuity in terms of the policy perspective from new southern policy uh though uh, asean region has been highly focused uh, i was surprised by not seeing new southern policy being mentioned and uh, almost like no mention of india so have you done all right so i'll just be quick about it i mean yes um i guess the focus when it comes to india on the maritime domain is evident they are talking about the iora which is the indian ocean rim association which is perfectly fine but i think when it comes to their special strategic partnership with the indian government i think 
what happens is that they will more focus on the soft power domain which is to say that you know information technology and a little bit investing in space tech i'll i'll say in the context of soft power not like you know kpop and entertainment but i'm saying in the sense like how do you see soft involvement in public policy so that's how i little bit understand and obviously soft power's definition transforms so i think again i think most indo pacific strategies don't focus on defense pretty well uh if they focus on defense they mention certain key aspects of security and key aspects of you know this happens in maritime this happens in land security this happens in the case of even air air related issues which is to say you know how would they reinforce certain things how would they do but uh, we already know that you know the quad never even talks about their malabar exercises and all those things but they do their naval exercises regularly now so i think this is the same thing here and i think um, i sometimes feel that there should be some masala in these indo pacific strategies so that we can talk on these spaces but i mean there isn't obviously they have mentioned their cooperation with other countries as csdr mentions bbin countries uh, they obviously are there bangladesh nepal and i think even though so thailand is not mentioned and others are not mentioned india is mentioned obviously pakistan is mentioned definitely sark is obviously the focus but i don't think uh, that's much about there but uh, yeah i think on digital trade as like uh, abhishek was pointing out on techno democracies uh, d9 countries obviously are important india is one of them uk is one of them so i think on digital trade and its impact i think south korea might be sensitive about it which is to say on the issue of weaponization of soft power components which obviously affects hard power you can mix soft power and hard power and makes a dangerous thing out there so i think that's where they're focusing but how much they have a ground we have to see that yeah so uh, were you surprised abhishek by not like in the uh, because of the absence of new southern policy in the document uh just to answer your question i think before uh, on the indian aspect i think i've written so much on it in so many pieces that uh, that the the relation in the india and south korea has a special uh, strategic partnership but uh, uh, but the strategic is totally absent in the relations uh, and i think it's mainly mainly uh, dominated by economics and which is a very myopic view of looking at uh, the relations and i think that um, both countries are, are at fault here because uh, they because there there been no high level visit also if like you can consider a defense minister visit but like at the level of um, foreign minister uh, prime minister uh, i think i remember the there is no conversation between prime minister of india and um, uh, the president of south korea after he took office like there was a first congratulations and afterwards the like he recently uh, expressed condolences on the death of prime minister modi's mother uh, apart from that they there have been no conversation between these countries at a, at a very high political level and 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 the strategy mentioned that they will need to improve strategic communication but uh, and uh, but that is a problem problematic thing i think uh, i think both of the uh, countries need to because i think this this year we will be celebrating a, a 50 years of diplomatic relations between south korea and india and there is lot of i think planned visits between both countries and and i'm just looking forward to what what they'll offer uh, there is a speculation that i i don't want to speculate but there is speculation that there will be some high visit this this time because as india celebrates its 50 years diplomatic relationship um but uh, but the problem problem with me was of course like um, uh, the current state of relation will will be shown in the strategy 
but the kind of isolation uh, of india in only the south asian chapter for me is which is more problematic rather than a kind of like giving who exaggerating relations between both countries uh, and if you see asean uh, for 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 a perspective is mentioned 27 times and in that is across the strategy not only on the asean part of it but india is mentioned only three times that is very specifically to uh, in the indi south asian chapter uh, also the uh, the strategy fails to kind of relates india to the indian ocean part for example in the indian ocean um, they talk about their geographical space of, of uh, like the african coast and indian ocean and they don't mention india at all in that chapter um, yes if i'm correct uh, they they talk about uh, and they don't recognize india uh, as a kind of main regional payor as india says a net security provider in the indo indian ocean region and that is for me also problematic uh, but also if you like kind of elaborated there is no talk about uh, like uh, supply chain with respect to india there is no talk about digital goods or for example working in cyber security on uh, other issues and i think that in that aspect the strategy for me fails uh, in kind of addressing because i think and 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 i have also as i said before i have written so much about it i think indo pacific when you talk about indo pacific there is also indo in that and that indo is about indian ocean but when you talk about indian ocean what was the use of uh, for example quad if 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 india was not there i think in the us japan and uh, australia would have done very perfectly everything but they wanted to bring in india that was quad was created and i think so many scholars have already written on it that that this was an exercise to bring mainstream india uh, to like kind kind of giving it more role into the uh, for example policy making or setting up an agenda in the broader uh, indo pacific region and i think south korea totally misses this point um, unfortunately i don't know like i i i think it it is also because of the kind of form, uh, consultation which it had there was very less cons- consultation um, uh, between different for example regions uh, and this is uh, speculation there there were some reports in some newspaper in south korea which talks about that while forming the uh, south uh, this policy only north korean uh, so, sorry only the uh, for example north america uh, the 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 north america section on the foreign ministry was mainly involved in formulation of this strategy and that made maybe a one reason but uh, but uh, but like i i know some people who came to india and they talked with us regarding the uh, strategy and we clearly mentioned uh, some points regarding this thing and i think they have totally missed upon like what what india would expect out of it but uh, but it it's also as i said before it's also uh, india has not shown much interest uh, uh in its relation with south korea uh, but but there are some for positive aspect where they have talked about working with quad in non conventional areas like climate change or cyber security uh but that's all and i think uh, on your point of uh, the new new southern policy i think uh, i think the some some so many scholars have said that this is just a kind of if you if you focus on asean and india part it is just a kind of uh some adding some words up it is just like the reformulation of the uh, uh moon jae-in's new southern policy which was clearly uh, uh at re- clearly working or targeting towards asean plus india region uh 
but uh, but just i think they have just in- introduced one new initiative addressing uh, asean uh, where they have talked about for example uh, econ- economics and like the uh, korean asean solidarity initiative that was something uh, which they have mentioned uh, new- there's something new about it but apart from that uh, there is nothing new and uh, i think it it also fails not not fails um, but it also kind of falls short on even the kind of aspiration which south korea had for itself like for example the current president yoon suk yeol said uh, his policy of uh, his vision of the global pivotal state where he talks about that south korea need to move beyond the korean peninsula issues need to engage more with other countries in the indo pacific and beyond indo pacific um, and we have seen some great some progress uh, for example there they have there's a lot of progress when it comes to relations with europe um uh, like this, uh, last year they would, it was the first time where south korean president was uh, was uh, invited um uh, to the um, to the eu and it also joined the uh, cyber security initiative uh, uh, by eu uh, but in especially with uh, for example uh, with india there has been no progress in that aspect uh, so uh, the, this kind of uh, this kind of vision for itself south korea which it has only i can say it can it has only failed to live up to its own vision of uh, working beyond its boundaries and that that clearly shows in the strategy yeah I'll just add one thing in agreement with abhishek i mean brilliant points raised and you know i, I think we, we, we have to move on other yeah. than other we won't be able to finish uh, go on to I, the review yes, yeah, yes. so yeah, i yeah. think okay. so what we will do is we'll just connect it because anyways we are going on the indo pacific review part so i'll just be quick i'll just take one minute because this is important so this is for the viewers uh, sorry the listeners so i mean this is true that we talk about asean centrality in the quad we talk about asean centrality in the indo pacific but honestly we all know that asean centrality is incomplete without considering india as a very major partner and you know i have always proposed that uh, very humbly that india uh, indo pacific is an india centric concept but i think i think uh, these strategies uh, i are not courageous enough about it neither it is the case that sorry not is the case that you know the government of india is very much open about it and there are justified and unjustified reasons so i think we'll discuss it once we do the indo pacific review quickly i think we are short of time but i think we can do it so aditya here you go yeah basically i wanted to also say a few points like how it mentions k pop uh, uh, korean dramas music as part of inherent uh, soft power strategy and it was ridiculous how it brings in nato in between in for indo pacific which was i was like why again um, i was uh, heartened by the fact that its indo pacific vision includes coastal uh, africa that is east africa but again i was kind of confused by like whole of latin america being included not just the west coast of latin america like so yeah these were some of the ridiculous i mean some good but some like uh, not so good things uh, on india again less said the better but asean was mentioned a lot like mekong regions mekong was specifically mentioned again and uh, asean has been mentioned on all the critical economic aspects but i would like to uh, uh, talk about uh, the last aspect of this south korean strategy that is japan basically i found japan chapter to be quite actually nice in the sense that it was very positive from uh, south korean perspective 
uh, it 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 mentioned Japan from like a trilateral cooperation with China Japan. It talked about uh, 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 negotiations in CPTPP again, which is Japan led at the moment. Uh, it talked about like uh, basically the whole Japan chapter seemed very very like uh, conciliatory. And uh, I like that fact, like there is going to be more harmonization of relationship, including on geo-economic aspects, like economic aspect, trade aspects. So do you concur, Abhishek, like uh, with this understanding of Japan chapter? Uh, yes, yes, I concur with your point. I think that is something which is very positive to see kind of South Korea opening up. I think and uh, understanding that uh, the, it needs to work closely with uh, uh, Japan and I think the strategy <laughs> strategy interestingly refers to Japan as closest neighbor uh, not not any partner like minded anything uh, and that is very uh, I think uh, it recognized that um, South Korea cannot even cannot always depend upon uh, domestic politics to kind of no, but I disagree smallly in the sense that it does say there is commonality in terms of dem liberal democracy and human rights all those aspects yes, yes. Of course, that is the point. But uh, but 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 I am saying that if when you look at the strategic perspective, uh, for example, on security issues uh, like democracies and human rights are like a low point. Yes, yes, yes. True, true, true. So in that perspective, it's a welcome issue. But uh, as you mentioned on the trilateral perspective, trilateral point, I don't I don't think, and this is uh, that it it will work. Um, it it because I think due to pandemic, there has been no work on the trilateral cooperation uh, between three countries, uh, Japan, China, South Korea. But, but going forward, it will be very difficult for all these, all these three countries because if you compare the uh, South uh, Japanese uh, um, this national security strategy and even the, the current uh, South Korea Indo-Pacific strategy, it's very different. Like It's total polar op opposite uh, because it clearly defines the challenges, Japan. It's very, I, I think for me, that comes out very, very good example of of what india should follow going forward because i think going forward we are some people say that we will be entering a new cold cold war we and the the world will become more polarized so it's it will be way better to address the challenges up front so that even like you know you don't have to sugarcoat all these things going forward and that is for me something which as as, as and also canada one is like one thing which goes i think a kind of a, a kind of more of an activist perspective uh, and that is i think <laughs> a negative point of that strategy so uh, that is something which I, I look forward to like how they'll work together so, so moving on abhivadan uh, 2022 was a very interesting year for the indo-pacific region in the sense that at the beginning of the year uh, the focus kind of was muted because of the whole ukraine episode in european uh, eurasian continent basically uh, the war that's still ongoing. But in the later half of the uh, 2022, there was a Taiwan issue that became hot potato again. Then uh, Taiwan has been discussed quite a lot. Then again, uh, there was some talk about uh, de-escalation and the Himalayan front. But again, there was uh, another conflict recently. Though both the Chinese and Indian disp dispensations are saying they are working on the de-escalation and uh, whatnot, basically. And there are two new Indo-Pacific strategies, that is South Korean one and Canadian one, though Canadian one was like kind of, we have seen Japanese national security strategy. Uh, we saw like the very big media coverage of 20th 
party congress in china and xi jinping being confirmed confirmed for third term but again immediately after china kind of became busy with its domestic uh, economic crisis and covid disaster basically so it was kind of a very zigzag year all right so to summarize this very quickly and i will add some points uh, it was a quite disruptive year for the indo pacific quite in a way that even india might not have expected because nobody was clear if this ukraine conflict would start even in february right and i think it was until 23rd or 24th of february in last year that even you know the cia and all these intelligence agencies were thinking whether it would start there was some news that i think the the american intelligence had informed the chinese intelligence uh, you know apparatus that you know what the russians might start the conflict you know regarding the luhan uh, you know the luhansk and duhansk donetsk regions so obviously uh, the ukraine conflict was a global event like brexit like the us china trade war like the covid pandemic a global event right a global catastrophe of its own nature i think uh, if you look at raisina dialogues this year if you look at sci-fi this year if you look at all major events that happened in india regarding global south and the indo pacific it was kind of a win-win situation for india because the way i see it is that when we have a situation then there that there is no us ambassador of india and the indo pacific strategy from a scholarly and a strategic angle i know that it is an india centric angle anyways i mean it has to be at the end of the day but when the indo pacific started again i mean it had a reincarnation right thanks to that uh, the trump administration uh we all know that uh, the biden administration was a bit passive on it and it was trying to recalibrate it but now we see that there are two trends first is that um india has very well squeezed the risks of the russia ukraine situation a lot of things happened due to that Re- things related to you know food security things related to counter terrorism agreeing agreeing on international law things agree- things on finance for example india came up with its own international you know rupee trade mechanism which obviously banks in venezuela russia and other countries are trying to you know reach out with the rbi and that's obviously happening then there's another issue that um, the indian oil cooperation uh, and i think the japanese and the russians and even the us all of the four had invested in one entity the us has pulled out after the ukraine conflict but the rest of the three are there so see what happens is that the us strategy has become more mature and kind of it is the case that it was very much inevitable for the us to act in the way it acted for the ukraine war and the the less is discussed about that the better because we know it i mean that that's very obvious um for india the good part was that india while was going to get its g20 presidency they created a good background stage in the bali summit and i think what dr jayashankar did was what he obviously stated that um it is not about taking ideological positions in international forums it's more about taking practical positions which makes sense because um when you go deeper on issues related to fuel prices or you know digital trade like what happens in the wto ministerial conference this year right piyush goel obviously went there went there who's the commerce minister and he discussed about india's priorities on technology governance and digital public goods so I think this was a great year for India because it at least because what happens with the south block is that we sometimes become too passive because we are a gradualist 
country right like you finest says always on twitter and even on the spaces that we are a gradualist country as a multi aligned power so a multi aligned power in a multipolar world has to have a little bit of a speed and i think that's where india got it and the us uh, recalibrated again this is kind of a brilliance for the biden administration considering their hefty foreign policy failures obviously thanks to the domestic situation out there between the democrats and the republicans but i think it was a great year for india uh, for the us it was as it was obviously but uh, it actually is a year which gives you a lot of you know misconceptions out that you know what oh this partner is do going to do this or this country is going to do this so no i think it was a quite productive year and i think how india will use it with the seo and g20 and other things we have to see that you want to have your own uh, summary of uh, abhishek for the indo pacific region how it went into 2022 um i think i agree more most with uh, what abhivadan said but uh, i think what india it was uh, i think to kind of look at very objectively it was a positive year uh, uh apart from all the suffering from covid um uh because we also like what was a good thing for me was not only uh, the security angle and all the military thing but also the uh, lot of movement on the economic issues and we uh, we see a kind of mobility happening in the government of india to uh, to ensure that it doesn't lack on uh, uh, signing these free trade agreements um, and i would like to see that going forward that india will sign um, all these free trade agreements because i think the the coming decade or coming years will 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 be more focused not only on security but also in on the issue as i mentioned before these emerging technologies and for that to work with other countries you need to have understanding and for that you need to have these free trade agreements and all those issues uh and that made that may be a, a kind of a way to uh, ensure that india will not lag behind uh, uh as compared to other countries when we when we think about making comprehensive so i think uh, so i, I think and, and, and this year uh, uh uh in 2023 uh, i would i would like to see like uh, the all these initiative kind of ta- are taken forward with with more with more energy with, by the government of india and i'm only speaking from the indian perspective but also like if you kind of see from indo pacific uh because as the the region is become more polarized uh um we see less uh, less kind of cooperation um uh, between the major powers china and us uh, and that is i think mainly driving most of the um, geopolitical or geoeconomic developments in the region Uh, and some countries are also kind of frustrated with this this thing and asean some countries in asean are among one of them um, uh, so uh, i think uh, uh, going forward uh, in the indo pacific region i would like to see that uh, some countries uh, all these countries who are like minded who share values interests whatever you want to call them uh, call that thing uh, they need they, they would need to come together and set an agenda Uh, and that and this agenda might be very inclusive as south korea strategy mentions it and uh, because at the end of the day what matters for countries are national interest and if you have to fulfill that uh, in any way so um, either you work with your adversaries either you better adversary the that is the way that should be the way going forward that uh, india should uh, always think about its national interest and in the in in this year it has successfully 
not successfully, but to a certain extent, uh, try to work around all the geopolitical developments. Uh, and I'm positive uh, about this year. Yeah, as I say, 2022 was quite a not so good year for China, but very good year for Xi Jinping. Uh, and I also think it was kind of a muted year for uh, uh, Japan, Korea, ASEAN. It was quite a positive year for India. And I think uh, US became more uh, active in the region after like for a few months, it was more focused on Ukraine. But however, I do think US is kind of a bit, it has like a uh, distracted focus. It, it is finding it difficult to juggle between Ukraine and uh, Indo-Pacific. And I think it will slowly move towards Indo-Pacific more as the noise over Ukraine perhaps hopefully uh, reduces this year. And uh, 2023, I think because of the G20, uh, India will try to double down and consolidate its position in terms of its uh, larger global power politics, Indo-Pacific power politics, its position, its arguments, its uh, basically its positioning in the Indo-Pacific. And uh, I think it will be quite a tumultuous or at least uh, very much um, uh, newsworthy year for uh, Taiwan Strait because there is also upcoming elections in Taiwan. So it will get quite noisy over the later part of 2023. And we have to see how China will react to those noises in Taiwan. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, last point, I think Europe will also try to get more uh, of its focus into Indo-Pacific. Recently, I heard that uh, they are trying to bring, like, uh, as the European uh, diplomats are disappointed by the global gateway network initiative that they have launched, uh, uh, they want to have a kind of a, a SAR for the initiative. So they are trying to bring Mario Draghi as the head of the initiative and double down on the, especially geoeconomic uh, vision for the Indo-Pacific. So that is from me. Uh, anything else you want to add? Like wh what do you, how do you see 2023 panning out Abhi Vardhan or Abhishek as final conclusive remarks? Okay, so I will be quick in case Abhishek wishes to add. Um, I would like to expect something on technology governance in a more concrete manner, you know, especially in TMT law, for example, if they are actually going on with this data law and they are so much interested in handling competition law and those issues, and why am I mentioning them? Because all of this boils down to how they will go to the WTO, how will this you know, on economic cooperation related to digital connectivity, how will they go ahead with it? That matters to me a lot this year. So that's one area. Uh, second is uh, about repositioning the idea of the Indo-Pacific in a proper manner. Because, uh, see, China will be in a weird situation. It, you know, their policies are different, but their approach are, is very hasty. Whatever we talk about wolf warrior diplomacy doesn't apply everywhere, you know, like I don't wish to give examples, otherwise this discussion may go too much far forward. Uh, uh, so that's where I think uh, when it comes to China, India will try to hedge out. So we'll see how will the summits related to G20 uh, will go on in Pragati Maidan, obviously in Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh. That would be very intriguing, intriguing, intriguing to see. And lastly, I think I would expect as the Lok Sabha elections are coming up, 
although political parties are not a concern because it's a multi party consensus on you know indo pacific quad and everything we all know that why because there's a very simple evidence of it i mean a very interesting delegation including members of ors and obviously some parliamentarians from both the sides including some ruling party members had actually gone to nato headquarters and met uh, and th- this is publicly known i mean it's a very good moment so that's one thing to say so i think let's see political aspects competition in technology and telecom law how india dominates because it has to it is a very critical area it has to do it quickly this year but obviously with proper laws and proper regulations and obviously the thing which i talked about the second one so nothing else for now let's see it's very interesting here abhishek concluding remarks on your expectations for 2023 um uh, i'll be very brief uh, i would say that uh, uh, going in 2023 i would like to see multi reform multilateralism taking for taking shape and india can uh, use this opportunity um, uh, in a very specific and the current initiative of uh, calling for a summit of global south countries is a very welcoming thing um, and uh, and and i say this because uh, as as we see that the there are so many not conventional but also non conventional security threats and on that issues united nations need to take uh, up this challenge and um, ensure that uh, the suffering around the world needs to can be addressed through this uh, in, in multilateral forums so that uh, these these big countries have these time to or resources to address to these broader uh, security challenges that's all yeah so on that note abhyarth i would like to pitch in that in the next session maybe we should do like the similar thing for overall indian foreign policy how was the indian foreign policy uh, how was 2022 for indian foreign policy and what we can expect in 2023 like uh, not only indo pacific but larger like latin america to africa we can focus like total comprehensive aspect what do you see yeah yeah i mean for that we need uh, we need the humble savagery of rishabh patsarth well so <laughs> i mean i would be happy to have rishabh uh, abhishek and maybe i don't know Yeah, yeah yeah we can have actually, more people and like yeah. yeah only one topic basically a comprehensive review of indian foreign policy basically like uh, uh, one topic one session so i had the idea but uh, we can further uh, discuss this this week so that's it for today listeners uh, we are done with today's session uh, thanks for joining us uh, looking forward to more better things for indo pacific and uh, india abhivardhan can you uh, inform the listeners about where they can access the podcast yes i'll just do it quickly so uh, viewer uh, listeners viewers you can just go to the bharat pacific dot bharat pacific.com not the bharat pacific bharat pacific.com or just search on google the bharat pacific or if you are a spotify user or a spotify premium user you can just go to spotify and type the bharat pacific and you can get our podcast um uh, portal uh, you know where you can listen all of our episodes including this one which we will upload quite shortly um we will also be coming up with some interesting interviews uh, and what will be those interviews about i will not disclose that aditya will not disclose that but there will be some impactful discussions in ir and public policy so and yeah we wish you a great 2023 ahead for the first week i hope it was a great week so we wish you for that as well so un- until then sign off signing off all of you thanks so yeah, and thank you for uh, thanks abhishek for joining us it was uh, really nice insights fr- from you especially on korean uh, aspects so thanks once again uh, good night everyone and that's it 
from us for this week. Uh, signing off.